Now, as I was saying, drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. If you do them, you're bad. Because drugs are bad, okay? It's a bad thing to do drugs, so don't be bad. By doing drugs, okay? That'd be bad. Drugs are bad. Dad does... Dad does... Drugs... Drugs... Dad does drugs. Hello, welcome along to episode 5 of Dad Does Drugs. Thank you ever so much for continuing to listen and uh, also sending nice feedback. I've had some good tweets, uh, some nice comments from some friends of mine on Facebook who have found it and shared it and said, actually, this is really good. Uh, So that was very positive. And then a colleague, a young colleague of mine, I'm 42, he's 24. Uh, Nice synergy. And he's a big fan of podcasts and produces a couple himself. And he kindly listened to it and said he really enjoyed episode one and then was annoyed that he hadn't uh, downloaded episode two because he couldn't then play it immediately uh, straight afterwards on his long car journey. Uh, But he is going to carry on listening. So I'm delighted. Thank you for that feedback. So it does feel that I'm doing something that's listenable and something that might have a purpose. So please do share it. If you're enjoying it, pass it on. Um, I'd like lots of people to hear it, and uh, it's hard to get the message out there. I'm not famous, so uh, so it's difficult sometimes to um, let people know about what you're doing. So if you could share it, that would be fantastic. Um, so we've had amazing weather. It's been a, a heat wave Easter weekend, and my mind, perhaps yours does as well, turns to festival season, not far away, and festivals were one of the big prompts for me making this podcast Uh, at festivals some people try drugs and one that seems to be on the rise a 30 percent increase in police seizures in the last year is ketamine today's podcast looks at that drug it had tragic consequences for an 18 year old girl called eleanor rowe she died after taking it with her best friend at boomtown festival in winchester in 2013 I recorded a chat for this episode with her mum, Wendy, at her home in Glastonbury, and I recorded it in February of this year, 2019. So you'll be able to hear that. Then I have a conversation with my own teenage son, Credence, about his thoughts on the interview. I pay him £5 an episode to listen, and then he contributes his thoughts. He's really enjoying it, and so am I, actually. It's been great for us to talk about something, have something different in our life, other than the mundanities and the humdrum of, of family life. In this week's chat with him, I explain a bit more about the drug ketamine and in that I say that I've never taken it. But in the pursuit of thought-provoking, thorough honesty, uh, I just want to say now that I've never knowingly explicitly taken it. But I have taken, very foolishly, uh, white powders in a nightclub setting and at festivals where people said it might be ketamine or said it was ketamine or was it CK1, that mixture of coke and ketamine that people used to talk about in the 90s. I don't know. I definitely had um, some quite big nights on the dance floor where I might have taken it, but uh, that was very unsafe. And particularly when you listen to what happened to Ellie and how precarious uh, life is if you take chemicals, particularly if you don't know what they are or what strength they are. Uh, I was very lucky and was very foolish in doing that. So, um, 
but you're young and you don't think about that at the time so I just wanted to say that now so I kind of feel for my own conscience that I am being honest about all of these things uh, now let's um, have a listen uh, and let's be safer than I was let's know more um, let's not judge but let's be careful about dosing and particularly mixing our chemicals So enjoy is probably the wrong word for this week's episode, but um, I I hope it's moving and thought-provoking. I've used music from The Killers to soundtrack this week because they were Ellie's favourite band. Thank you ever so much for uh, talking to me. I sort of feel um, like it must be a a difficult thing each time uh, to steal yourself to tell a story that I'm sure you've told lots of times before but um, how um, how do you how do you feel approaching a, a conversation about Eleanor? Um, I always welcome the opportunity to talk about Eleanor actually uh, so I'm happy to talk about her obviously it's not easy because uh, just the mention of her name it brings up all sorts of feelings and emotions but I'd rather talk than not. Right oh, well um well, thank you for, for talking to me. Um, so my, my podcast is about drugs and mm. uh, sadly your daughter Eleanor um, died in a, in a drug-related incident. Um, yeah. uh, like I say, I'm sure you've, you've sort of explained to people what happened uh, many times before. So um, do, do you want to tell, tell me what, what you know of what happened? Yeah, she went to Boomtown and that was in 2013. And she was. She went as an Oxfam worker, and she was. She'd just done her first shift with her friend, and they got back to the tent, and they'd seen these fairground rides, um, big boats, swings, swirly things, and so on. And they thought they would take some ketamine and go back and go on them. From what I now know about ketamine, it seems an odd choice. So it seems to me that maybe they didn't know much about it, because she certainly wasn't. Um, a habitual user, but anyway, I, they took it sometime in the mid to late afternoon, I believe, and what they took was quite a large dose of what transpired, as it transpired, mm. of quite a strong batch, very pure. So that was it. She took it. She never regained consciousness. The deciding factor in the fact that she died really was that she'd also been drinking alcohol. So they'd finished their shift, gone for a walk around, spotted these fairground rides, um, and she'd been drinking a can of lager. So at the time of her death, she had she was something like 1.1 over the limit legal limit for drink driving to act as a marker. So it shows she hadn't drunk a lot. Mm. I think it was a couple of large cans or something. Or, Anyway, whatever it was, it, it was not excessive, but it was the combination of the alcohol with um, quite a generous proportion of um, ketamine, which meant that um, she couldn't deal with it. It finished her off. She wasn't a habitual user. Apparently, from what we know, it was the third time she'd ever taken it, so um, her body wasn't used to it, and like I said, it was quite a, a pure version, apparently. And um, that's the, that was that. And how old was she? 18. Right. Just 18, 18 in a few months. How did it happen then from your end? What did you, what happened on that day for you? Well, um, I was in a, I was at a yoga camp just outside Glastonbury. And I'd been teaching. I came home to do some emails. 
Then I went back up to the camp. Um, I had a text from my... No, that's right. I went in the sauna. There's a little sauna up at the camp. I went in there, came back to my tent. Around about midnight, there was a message from Belinda, my youngest daughter, saying, Mum, the police were at the door. I'm scared. I rang her back and said, oh, I'm sure it'll be all right. Blah, blah, blah. Just go to sleep. We'll know in the morning. I then, and I'd never done this before. Um, I like to get away from the internet as and when I can. I actually managed to get internet on my phone. Um, found the number to call, um, which is what I think it's 110 or something. Uh, which I knew really, but it, I don't remember numbers well. Called the police to see what was going on. And they said, oh, uh we'll have to get back to you. They got back to me and said, where are you? We're sending a police. So I, you know, you just know, you just know. Right. If it's not going to be good news, if they're not going to tell you on the phone and if they want to come and find you in a field, which is what he did. And he had me sit down. So the, I sat by the fire. There's nobody up at that time or yoga people. You know, it's not, you know, not your usual kind of festival. It's a nice clean living camp. Sat by the fire till the policeman came in the gate, ran over to the gate, made me sit in the car, and then he told me what had happened, that she'd passed away. And... <sighs> so, I accepted it. In that moment, I just knew that our lives were changed forever <laughs> as yeah. that. Oh. How, mm. how, how did things change then? Well, on the surface of it, you'd see, you know, I carry on my life just as ever. I'm a yoga teacher. I train yoga teachers. I do yoga. Everything's apparently the same. I didn't dissolve into painkillers or tranquilizers, a cup of tea will suffice, or coffee. Uh, everything, you know, is apparently the same. And there's also the fact that there's a, a mantra that I chant. It's called the Mrityon Jaya, it's from the Rig Veda, which is about um, being liberated from attachment to life as easily as the ripened good detaches from the vine. I've been chanting that since 1988 and sharing it with my students since 2008 as if so my coping mechanism has been to chant that mantra um, more and with more people around me yeah so to identify with the fact that death is a liberation so I don't spend my time dissolved in tears and what if and if only so in many ways apparently everything's the same but it's changed because of that awareness. It's, you know, it doesn't matter how intellectually or in other, in other ways you are prepared for such an event, when it happens to your own child, um, it's an awareness that you live with every moment. And so anyway, so everything's changed, and yet it doesn't look like it's changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, well when, when I arrived, we're in Glastonbury, where, where you live, I, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, I've never been to the the town before or the festival and so we were making small talk but then your other daughter Belinda came down and yeah. oh this is Bob who's come to talk about Eleanor yeah. so sort of you you mention her oh all the time and and how you know do you do you always think of her as well is there yeah. always a sadness in your day or is there you know we're now sort of nearly six years on mm. so so how, amazingly how, how 
his daily life, I suppose. Yes, her death is part of our lives, that's for sure. We talk about her every day. Right. And the girls dream about her a lot. Uh, the interesting thing is for me, I don't remember my dreams. It's not that I don't dream. I have lots of dreams, but I don't remember them. I used to. So you've got to watch this cat. He likes to eat the, <laughs> <laughs> the wires. Uh, so, yes, and today's the first year of the Year of the Pig. She was a pig. Um, and qualities of a pig, they're bit happy-go-lucky, intelligent, love life, love the good things in life, love to eat, drink and be merry, snort the old line of Catamaran. Um, yeah, she's there. And actually, it's not always, you know, this, it's not always sadness. It's, a lot of the time, it's a buoyant feeling because I'm, I'm happy to think about her and talk about her. I'm just not happy. Look, he's got it between his teeth. Yeah. I am not happy about the fact that she died and how she died and the triviality of how she died and how it was a mistake and people's reactions to that and yeah. it's hard work dealing with all of that really but it does take you somewhere else it means just change the way you think about everything i suppose How have you know your other daughters? Mm. Um, she was with a friend. How, how how has it affected their lives, and how do they feel? You know, moving on. <sighs> You'd have to ask them really how they feel, because for the first few years, her friends were very close, and I'd have them come round quite quite a lot. But now, you know, they've all been to university; they're moving on with their lives, so there isn't so much contact now. Yeah. The friend she was with has had a baby. Um, which is probably very helpful for her, um, but I'd, I'd rather not speak for her. But still, we have, we do see her, and um, but not as much as before. So I suppose it's like life moving on. I was thinking yesterday about how, um, you know, in those from 18 to 24, how you do lose your old friends and make new ones, and some of them you keep up with, but the contact dwindles by the time you're my age which is considerably more senior to you know maybe once a year maybe just at Christmas and birthdays so it changes anyway and that's the natural flow of things but nonetheless there's a very deep bond with all her friends which yeah. is lovely um, that doesn't go away I, I guess then it's drawn you over time into a, a world of talking to people like me or mm. um, uh, other people who organise festivals or are writing books and, and so on, uh, drawn you into a world of having a view on drugs. Yeah. Um, so, you, you, like you say, um, you've lived in Glastonbury a long time, uh, mm. so you're near to that festival and you, mm. you teach yoga at it in, mm. uh, in the yoga tent at uh, Glastonbury. So you, you've been around festival culture mm. uh, a lot, and I, I guess Eleanor had been as well. She was brought up, yeah, with the festival culture. But people think about Glastonbury Festival and they think about what they see on television and it's not all like that. I'm up in the healing fields running mm. the yoga tent and that's where she would be every summer. She loved it. And of course, when she became a teenager or before that, she'd be down in, at the pyramid stage watching the killers. She loved the killers, always phoning into the radio stations. Uh, just so excited about it. She loved it. Uh, so that's normal. But the, that drug element, I, I've just never been near because they're different worlds. It's a big festival. And never, I mean, the very first time I went to Glastonbury Festival, I must say, it was, um, I think it was 1970. 
eight or something. Um, that was a long time ago. But anyway, nowadays it's always, um, then there was a long gap because I was out of the country. But, uh, you know, we're in a tent in the healing field. I run a tight ship up there and it's all very, um, it's just not what you think. No, but, but I, I'm, I suppose you're around a, a culture where a lot of people go to festivals Yes. To, to take drugs, to drink or to well, relax, the certainly. The people I'm around are not taking drugs or, necess- not, or even drinking because all, all my friends who are up at the festival, they're working there. Mm. So you can't drink and take drugs when you're working. It, it just doesn't work. So, so I know that people do that, but that's not my crowd. <laughs> you know, and, I don't, and I've got this incredible ability to not see when people... I mean, I can see when somebody's very drunk, of course. And I remember when I went in 78, somebody, there was this girl very drunk and being supported by people either side of her and somebody else saying, oh, this is terrible, you know, they brought the cider on now. Because in those days it was um, smoking dope, taking acid, I suppose, um, but it, drinking wasn't done. Right. So there's a huge difference now. That, and this is what Eleanor's death has caught me up on, the fact that actually it's normal to take chemicals that ketamine is normal. I had absolutely no idea my daughter would do that. But then that's what other people say. Eh, well, that wouldn't happen to my daughter. And yes, I know that their daughter or perhaps their son, whose parents have no idea that they would and are quite kind of sniffy about even the fact that Ellen has died, which I find quite hard to take. I know for a fact that their children have been taken to the medical tent from having ingested too much of this, that or the other chemical. It's not my job to tell them. But they're all at it, apparently, and it's normal, and it's being normalised. And my feeling about it is that's very, very sad, actually. I have no objection to... For example, there's, they're, they're doing research now into the use of psilocybin and ayahuasca and so on, these various hallucinogens, natural hallucinogens found in nature, um, and they're wanting to use them in psychiatric treatments. Uh, now, any poison is also medicine and vice versa. So I have no problem with that. But I don't like this kind of, the attitudes that go around it really. Like either pride in the fact that someone takes drugs and is taking that risk and also condemnation. I'm I'm not on either side, I accept. I mean, this is one thing from Eleanor dying. I know a lot more now than I did. And I accept that this is what the young people do. It was a shock. Still is a shock. I'm shocked every day, but they do it. And it's normal. It's their environment. Things have changed since Glastonbury Festival 1978 when it was in two fields. Did that answer your question? I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think, so I think there's an acceptance uh, that people take drugs and I think it's of all, of all ages as well because you know right up to sort of in in your 50s I suppose is now acceptable to go to festivals and to you know much more than it than it ever was it used to be just a young people's thing but I think now there's so many festivals and they they try to cater to the ones with more money in their 40s and 50s as much as the as the teenagers uh, yeah. these days so I think there's quite a bit of drug taking goes on but like but I think you're really correct that saying it just it's just normal it's not um it's not a sort of slightly depraved uh, drug taking thing. It's just like having a cigarette or having a drink. People might also take ecstasy when they go to the dance tent at a festival. You know, it's it's quite a, a natural rite of passage or, or just a just a thing that you do at weekends or, or a couple of times a year when you go to a big event. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, d I don't know if this would be true with uh, in Eleanor's case, but I think a big concern of a lot of people is that because it's illegal and people buy it not knowing what it is necessarily that they've bought, and certainly perhaps without any information, um, that you know then tragedies happen or, or just accidents happen mm. um, can have tragic consequences uh, just because they didn't know much about it. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, I know that you've started working with organisations like The Loop and and Boomtown Festival who invite The Loop on site to do drug testing. Mm. It sort of seems like rather than being very anti-drugs, you're accepting of the need to do something about how people use them. Well, being anti-drugs doesn't help just sets up a barrier but at core I am personally you know on a personal note I am anti these chemical things which you have no idea about what are they doing to people's livers <laughs> yeah. you know people's never mentioned they're never mentioning the liver that the damage that's done to the liver by such things but anyway never you know never mind the heart attack was Eleanor died of eventually in the dissociation and so on and so forth anyway um yeah, the Loop are doing great work. Um, I just endorse them and um, really think that Fiona Meesham's doing a, a fantastic job recognising they take them. It doesn't matter about our personal opinion. It, that's irrelevant. We don't have to endorse or condemn. It's just that if they're going to be taking them, let them know what they're taking. If the Loop had been around when Eleanor was at Boomtown, she would definitely have gone down to find out what she had and she would be with us today because they would have said, this is very strong and... If you are going to take it, not that they've ever endorsed the taking of it, you need to be very moderate. And she would have been. She, this is the thing. She loves to investigate. She liked to know things. She was always Googling stuff. She'd, she was an expert in so many things. And yet why she couldn't check up ketamine and find out that it's actually, it, you know, it reacts negatively with alcohol is um, it's a mystery. But obviously she wasn't perfect. None of us are. Lots of that knowledge, um, I mean, I've been reading lots of books and listening to podcasts from, uh, you know, pharmacologists and things in recent months, uh, mm. taking a much more academic interest in drugs than I ever have done before. Mm. And I'm finding out things. And so when I read uh, the news stories about Eleanor um, and um, I think one medical person, I don't know if it was a coroner or somebody talking about it, I think suggested that she had had sort of the lowest amount of alcohol in her in her body that had reacted with the the ketamine of anyone to have a fatality so that's correct you know so you know most people have no knowledge mm. going into it mm. don't they and um you know i find i find it sort of more more scary now having been a young person and taken risks without th without thinking of it well, young people take risks that's always a given. Mm. I might not have taken any chemicals, but, you know, there's a few times at university when I drank more than was good for me. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and, 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 and when you're travelling, you get on the back of someone's motorbike and don't think about it because, you, again, you don't think you're going to be the one that falls off and has an accident. So, uh, you know, there's, exactly. all sorts of, there's all sorts of risks, isn't there? But, um, yeah. Oh, it, yes, I've taken many other risks of that nature. Not necessarily motorbikes, but the things I've done walking alone in the mountains. Oh, no, it's fine. But yes, of course, looking back, it was a risk. Mm. When when you went to Boomtown, because you've been back a couple of times at been least. Been back every year since, just for a bit. And last three years, I've given a talk there. Right. Uh, how's that been? Momentous. 
I mean, the very first year I only went in for about half an hour. I just happened to be going past. It was really bizarre. Um, I think it was on the Friday. It was on the anniversary of her death. And um, they were wonderful. The security met me, took me around in a... Um, in a security vehicle and it was just like watching the whole thing as a film 3d film they were really kind just to show me what it what what, what it was there but i in my heart was in my mouth the whole time because we did go back also um a couple of days after eleanor died and we you know, were there where she died of course the festival was all over then um so every time that this is my daughter's graveyard this is where she left the planet so um it's very momentous. I don't think anyone can realise just how momentous this is for us. Uh, somebody rang me up the other day to sort of do a pre-interview. She never got back in touch, um, probably because of something else. But um, when when I said I go to... Oh, you go to Boomtown! Like, oh, you're going to Boomtown to enjoy yourself with everyone? No, <laughs> I go to Boomtown. I do the talk. Uh, last time I was filmed doing interviews. And when I'm not on duty, as it were, I'm in the sauna. There's a lovely... Um, wood-fired sauna up there in the healing field part. Um, uh, no, I, I, there's no way I could go as a normal punter. It's just how anyone could think I could. I don't know. <laughs> it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, I saw one of the films that you've done for for the BBC South, um, yes. and when they um, filmed you there, and and there was a, a piece in that where um, Fiona Meesham runs the loop. Um, at your request shows you some ketamine in, yeah. a, in a little bag and, and yes. uh, you know so so there's obviously sort of things like that which are sort of significant uh and, and they're sort of oddly banal a tiny bag with some powder in it but but it but it obviously has significance when it's at that place and and it's that um chemical oh, i'd never seen ketamine before and to hold it in my hand that was me holding my daughter's killer so not easy. My heart was like boom, 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 very strong. And how is it seeing other, you know, other people there enjoying themselves, and and just the sort of uh, life goes on around it, yeah. you know, around you. I suppose it, yeah. uh, when you're in a very different place yeah. to all of them. Um, well, actually, Boomtown's great. <laughs> you know, it's a wonderful place. All I see is people enjoying themselves. But I can't tell if people are on drugs. You know, you can roughly tell if they're drunk, but. Um, I'm not really seeing the people staggering around on the ketamine, although people I go with do see them. It's a funny thing. I... That was the boiler man at the door who needed letting in. Why are they taking drugs? Why are chemicals on the rise? Uh, can I just say a bit more? Yeah, because definitely. my feeling is if they're just smoking grass or whatever, weed... Um, in their break time at school or college or what have you, then they, it can be smelt. They take a pill, they take a line or what have you. No, you know, there's, there's no evidence and nobody's going to suspect them of having done something. And I know that that is um, something. Obviously, we don't want children taking any mind-altering substance at school. On the other hand, lots of children coming into school with no breakfast. It's a huge, complex problem. I don't think today's society is terribly inviting for young people. So I can actually see why they're going to want to take these things. Curiosity is um, a feature of the young. Yeah. How, how do you how do you think um, the, the the you know what's happened to what happened to Eleanor? How how has that then affected your other daughters and the way that you have talked to them 
about drugs and their view on drugs, how they'll talk to other people about drugs, do you think? They're just completely anti-chemicals um, and anything you don't know about. And they get, especially the youngest one, gets extremely upset by people trying to normalise it or justify it. It's just like, no, we've... Um, but, that, you know, that's our subjective yeah. opinion. We're not going to go and stand in the line of people waiting to have their drugs tested at the loop with signposts saying, just say no to drugs. We're not going to do that because we respect that this is the environment, this is the culture, but some kind of education. Yeah, I don't think there is any kind of compulsory drug element to school education. I think some comes into um, you know, the PHSC or what have you, the, 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 mm. uh, those kind of classes that you have with your tutor that probably everyone messes about in and doesn't really listen. Uh, so, so there must be a bit, I think, in there. But, um, you know, I, I'm sort of using this podcast as a way of having more knowledge to talk to my children, one of mm. whom is now a teenager. Mm. You want to be honest mm. about what's out there, mm. and but how how to sort of manage useful information without glorifying it or or, or making it normal. It's quite mm. hard, isn't it? To it's very hard, but it still has to be um, spoken about. And I do respect that. Um, you know, for some people, it's like a sort of an ongoing coping mechanism but then the the long-term effects of taking ketamine are horrendous so it's best they find out themselves somehow or another don't know what the solution is but talking about it is always useful and I'm always happy to talk about Eleanor because she wasn't um, taking this because she felt bad or low she had her ups and downs like anybody she was taking it because she wanted to go and ride those fairground things <laughs> so yeah. She didn't know what she was doing, really. It must have gone through so many different emotions over the years, but, it, you, you know, just a frustration and an anger that it, that it was Eleanor. You know. No, I don't feel angry, actually. People, oh, yes, I got my friend. Oh, yeah, come and punch some cushions. Um, no, <laughs> I don't feel angry. You know, oh, the, the four stages of grief. And, um, well, no, strangely. Just... There's sadness, of course, but that's how it is. We'll all pass on. A hundred years from now, none of us will be here. So it's a shame she had to leave so early, because she was a great person. Yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss, and I'm so sorry that she isn't uh, here. And she I'm, does sound like a great person. She was, and every time I read in the paper or hear on the news about another young person who's died or critically and in hospital from having taken some drug, I, it... I get this whole wave of grief on their behalf, on the on the family, in behalf of the family and everybody who knew them. It's the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway, there's too many of us. <laughs> Once upon a time, we'd all have been killing each other, but it's not nice all the same. No. Um, and and I think that but the openness with which it seems that you talk to Eleanor's friends and some of them who I'm sure had sort of uh, will have felt that sort of um, survivor guilt and all sorts of mixed emotions uh, uh, and their own trauma about mm. about losing a friend. Mm. Um, I think that's been really positive. It sounds like you know your your attitude and your openness to keep in contact with them has been really mm. helpful. So my youngest daughter um, has suffered a lot immensely from losing. Well, they both have, we all have, but especially my youngest daughter 
has suffered. She's being treated for complex PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, to answer an earlier question. Um, what, what can we say, you know? It's the way it is. It would have been worse had she survived as a vegetable, I suppose, because her brain shut down. She was a highly intelligent person. But one feels her presence around the place. I mean, where you're sitting right now. You know, she'd love to sit there. <laughs> so many photos of her lounging around there. She's, she's not gone in our minds, that's for sure. Yeah. Just her physical presence is not here. At this point, the boiler man needed letting out again. And when we came back to talking, plugged microphones back in properly, uh, we were talking about the loop drug testing and we kind of picked up some of the things that we discussed before. And, and often they will just hand it in, decide they won't do it. Yes, yeah. So is that information? Because if, there's, if it's just being judged and condemned, people are acting in the dark and that's when they die. And that story about ketamine, I think there is a news story, the use of it is on the rise, I think, for the last three years, sort of the official statistics. I terrible about that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, yes, it's, it's, I've, I've read as well that there's sort of regional variations in drug popularity around the country, and Bristol, I think, is an area where um, uh, ketamine is more popular than in other parts of the country, so I don't know why that is historically or what have you, but... Um, uh, and certain drugs, I suppose, go along with certain types of music and certain kind of fashions and scenes that you're into. But it does strike me as, a, as an odd one that I think, especially when if it reacts badly with alcohol, which is the kind of core of how every person in this country sort of enjoys themselves, there will be a drink at some point. It's just, I don't think that's known by many people, is it, that, that <clears throat> how, how dangerous they are together. So the Loop have a, a grid outside their testing place which shows how the different drugs react with one another which is really good right so when we went there last summer Iona my oldest daughter and I, we went immediately alcohol and ketamine and there's a big whatever it was that marked this is you know potentially fatal how's your relationship with Boomtown been oh. have you have you found that them as a festival uh one of the reasons I, I wanted to make this podcast is that I'd noticed yeah. there was um at two festivals near where I live in, in Portsmouth. Mm. Um, first of all, at Best of All, um, Luella Michi uh, died of, a, of an overdose in 2017, and then Mutiny Festival near me, Georgia Jones and Tommy Cowan both died. Uh, and, and I felt every time that the festival organisers were sort of uh, the ones to blame in the way it was reported. And, uh, and, I, just, and I thought, I, I'm going to speak to Boomtown, and I'm really interested to find out from them how they how they've managed to keep going, mm. you know, because emotionally and logistically, legally, it must be, must be really hard to be running a festival and have something happen on your watch, on your mm. site. So how, how have you found it with them since? They've been amazing. Set? Absolutely amazing. No cover-up job. Like I said, the, very, the, the year after they met me, took me, they were so kind, so supportive. And all the time they're saying, you don't have to do anything. If it feels too much, you don't have to. But for me... <laughs> 
I just feel if the, you know, information is key, if I can talk about it and just get other, other young people talking about it and understanding what, you know, what it is that they're doing and if they're going to do it, to do it with some kind of awareness, not to do ketamine with that, you know, that's all to the good. I know, you know, quite a few young people that I've spoken to have said that, no, they'll never take it again, having spoken to me. It's very sobering when you, I mean, one time, the first year I went to give a talk, I was talking to a young man by the fire the night before, and I was just talking to him about ketamine. And then at, at the end of our talk, and he does take it, and I was asking him, why do you take it? You know, I wasn't being, you know, it was just a nice, relaxed conversation. And then, poor young man, at the end, um, it was revealed who I was, and that my daughter had died there a couple of years ago, and um, he, he, oh, he knew who she was. Right. He was completely, um, I don't know, it was, I, I felt bad for having to tell him, but it just had to come out. Um, and he said he'd never take it again, just from having met me. So if that, you know, if I can make that difference to one person, I will keep going back and to answer your question, Boomtown have been amazing in facilitating that. So Anna, um, Anna, who um, coordinates a lot of it and who I've been dealing with since the very beginning, yeah, she's been fantastic. Never taken any drugs in her life, you know. The, so you've got to separate the the way you know you, a festival that's known for drug. Apparently, I didn't know that. Apparently, is known as a wreckheads festival and was before. I didn't know that. Um, they've been completely amazing and they're not endorsing, they, re they really want people to be safe and have a good time. And having the loop come along, brilliant, because they're working with what is, not with what we would ideally want. Because people don't behave as we would want. Who does what their parents tell them? It's weird. Yeah. I would just think they would. But anyway... I mean, I, I, you know, it's obviously still very emotional for you to talk about lots of these yeah. things and yeah. even these interactions with people that you've had by a, a, a fireside and, and so on. Um, do, do you, is it, you know, something that you feel now you're lumbered with and, and you've got, you, you feel you've, I've got to keep talking about this no. Uh, or? No, I don't feel I have to, I mean, I feel compelled to. It's just part of Eleanor's legacy, that's all. But I certainly don't feel lumbered. It's part of who I am. And anyway, I like finding stuff out and I like writing about it. So, um, no, I don't feel that at all. I feel before I was totally ignorant. And if I can help shine light in dark places, starting with my own mind, then it's a good thing. Right. Do you want to see drug policy, drug law in this country changed do you have yes. any goals like that? No, I don't have any goals. I know the mother of Georgia Jones very much wants that. She's been in touch. I'm not at all political. I don't even have an agenda about... I can see the reasoning for wanting drugs legalised, but I can also see the reasoning against it. So I don't... Really, I think more information and allowing the loop to continue their work um, is more important than... I have had, than anything else, um, than changing the law, I have had a look at the Misuse of Drugs Act. It's in this tiny, tiny writing, and it's really quite difficult to understand what they're saying because a lot of it is not really relevant. So picking out what's relevant is very difficult. But I di I ha I'm not a member of anybody's child, but it's this sort of international organisation, so it's all the mothers, seems to be mostly mothers, I'm sure there's fathers there as well, but... Parents of children have died from drugs, and that's 
interesting because it included um, a woman in Bolivia and in their case they wanted coca as opposed to cocaine the growing of the coca leaves legalized but that um, because when it was made illegal because it's um, it, it her family really suffered etc mm. etc Anyway, um, what am I saying? There seems to be the agenda about getting drugs legalised, um, legal or illegal, people are going to take them. Maybe a lot of deaths have happened because it's illegal and because it's illegal people don't want to report the dealers. They don't want to be beaten up by the dealers, they're under threat for example, they, or whatever it is. Um, and the dealers don't seem to think they've got any responsibility. So maybe if it was legalised, everything would be regulated. But you still have a black market and making it cheaper. I don't know. But I, I don't have an agenda that way. But I certainly think more information is helpful, however it comes. Yeah. Even Misuse of drug, uh, Drugs Act, if somebody could actually go through that and, make, <laughs> and clarify the bits which are relevant, <laughs> which bits are not, that would be good. And also, often it's a grey area. Uh, so, for example, with Eleanor, you know, I had people say, oh, you know, you know, thinking that she and her friends would be arrested for taking it. No, it's the dealers who are um, who are responsible. Um, and I would like to see irresponsible, well, any dealers of um, chemicals. I'd like them to look at what they're, they're doing. I feel strongly about that. Um, well, thank you for sharing your story, and uh, you know, I, I hope I hope people will listen to this uh, podcast and and find out more. You know, I just think it's uh, I, I agree with you. I think information is is the key. I've been really struck by how many people are taking things and just don't know what they are or don't mm. know what to do with them mm. if they are what they think they are, mm. you know, let alone if they're, if they're not what they think they are. So mm. um, I really appreciate your time and uh, uh, thank you for sharing uh, Eleanor's story with me. That's okay. <laughs> Great. So uh, it's Good Friday, and we're yeah. celebrating the fact that Jesus died to give us two bank holidays <laughs> in the same weekend by um, uh, recording a chat for episode five. We're up to. Oh damn! So you went for a a walk to get chips and Pepsi Max. Yeah. And Snickers. A Snickers. A healthy bank holiday tea earlier. Indeed. Uh, whilst listening to my interview with Wendy so I'm sure not the sort of thing you would normally listen to and um, and also not exactly the happiest although it was a lovely sunny day um so yeah how did you find it um I found it all right I mean like don't click the snake in front of the mic uh carry on yeah um it was interesting like yeah with the yeah the different festival cultures and how like completely like separated they are yeah yeah that's like, true she was saying like she doesn't like see the people doing drugs and like no notice that at all no and loads of people go to festivals and don't take any drugs so the idea that festivals are just full of drugs uh is yeah is not true but uh the the rubik snake 
want to click in front of the microphone. So let's okay. neither of us play with the Rubik snake for yeah. a few minutes. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, so she'd gone to Glastonbury for years. Ellie had when she was still alive, when she was little, and um, and Wendy still does. And yeah, and it isn't around drugs at all. But then I went to a drug symposium, I think this academic conversation, you know, thing in a university we're talking about drug policy and a guy a former undercover police officer said to me that he'd heard i might have said this in a previous a previous episode so you might have heard it already but he he knew of a, a big festival he didn't say which one it was but he said it was a big well-known festival in the uk who did a survey of people going in to the festival and just asked them, do you plan to take illegal drugs while you're in this festival? And 80% said yes. <laughs> so uh, I think... Is it an anonymous survey? Yes, yeah, just an anonymous survey at the, at the gate. So I think for a lot of people, going to a festival is a chance to cut loose and, and, you know, and that might be drinking a lot or it might be staying up really late and or it might be going out to the healing fields and doing yoga for four days, or for some people it might be drugs taking drugs. Yeah, and you you do you know even when you're just wandering around a festival, you might not recognise the smell. But I I'll be walking around and you can mm, you can just smell cannabis being smoked quite yeah. a lot around a around a festival site. I think what's so sad about these tragic stories and for Wendy, you know, the loss of a daughter is going to live with her all of her life and it sort of hangs around it must always be there in her in Ellie's sister's mind as well you know they're yeah, still like... young and they're just not going to get over that and it's just uh, awful and it just happened just to well while she was there having fun you know and she just sounds like a really good kid you know she was volunteering yeah. for Oxfam and just wanting to hang out with her friends so and I think the thing that probably niggles away at Wendy now that she's met people like the loop and what have you is that just a bit of information about not mixing ketamine with alcohol yeah like just just that little bit of information could have like saved yeah yeah Ketamine is a weird drug, I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but it's um, a medical, you know, it's an anaesthetic. Hmm. So it's an illegal drug in this country, a class B drug, but uh, it was invented in the 60s as a way of, it's a really useful anaesthetic, so it is sometimes used on humans, but it does have these psychedelic properties so they tend not to give it to humans but it's used in veterinary science all the time so a kind of it might you might hear it referred to as a horse tranquilizer because they do use it to like knock out animals if they're going to do operations on them and things but it's pretty safe it doesn't one of the great things about it as an anesthetic it was used in the vietnam war a lot is because you can use it if you if you have an operation in a hospital an anaesthetic that they normally use, they have to have a qualified doctor and an anaesthetist there with the surgeon just to make sure that you... Get the right dose of... Yeah, just to make sure that you, A, don't wake up in the middle of an operation, but also that you don't have too much of the anaesthetic and die because your body just goes to sleep. But the, yeah. th- the thing about um, ketamine is it doesn't stop breathing. So 
as an anaesthetic, it's really useful. So they, they don't need to have quite such high level of medical attention throughout an operation. But, yeah. it, but it is a depressant. So that, I think what, what must have happened with Ellie is that it mixes with alcohol, which also is a depressant in the system. And, you know, it reacted badly in her. So even just a small amount of alcohol and then this other depressant, you know, it was depressing her body. It, um, her body just couldn't take it and, and she died. Hmm. So um, the key, key thing that I just thought coming out of it was, gosh, I don't know if anyone... I don't know if people would know that, you know, never mix alcohol with ketamine. And the problem is that at festivals, everyone's having some alcohol. Usually every adult is having a beer or two and she only had two beers. So key safety message. Ketamine's a bit of a weird drug. Apparently it's going up. I read an article recently. The use of it is, it's becoming quite popular. Not really popular. I mean, it's way less popular than cannabis, ecstasy, cocaine. But uh, there's a bit of a, a a bit of a rise in the usage apparently with young people, particularly at festivals and things. It ha- if you use it a lot, it it can wreck your bladder, oh. particularly in men. So there's quite a few cases of young men who've taken it a lot. You know, maybe every weekend they go out and they take a bit, and. Um, and then they end up having to have a, have an operation to have their bladder removed. And for the rest of their life, they've got to have something like a catheter put in, a, a way of going for a wee that... Oh. Yeah, I mean, really hideous sort of side effect of it. So it's definitely not something to use heavily. And it's something to be very careful about if you if you do use it, that you don't mix it with alcohol. And the other slightly odd thing about it is it's... um. It's a really weird experience. I, I've never used it, but it's um, it's got lots of nicknames that revolve around the letter K. So people refer to it as Special K, and and they refer to the effect of it as if you take a fair amount of it as going into the K hole. So you sort of it's like you spiral downwards and have a sort of out of body experience where you can't feel your legs and things like that. So it's a bit like walking on the moon almost. You're a bit floaty and yeah and and weird so i think it in the people that like it wouldn't recommend taking it possibly at loud noisy places where you could easily get disorientated and lost like yeah. a, a festival site a slightly sobering one to listen to um, yeah but i thought it'd be worth saying just because it's easy to sort of think, oh, ketamine must be super deadly, blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's not. There's a, a guy that I follow on Twitter, Dr. Russell Newcomb, who does all sorts of research into drug use and drug policy and things. And he produces a risk assessment model each year, a comparison of the mortality risk of drug use comparing it with other activities so how likely are you to die from a drug and then how does that compare to other things so i've got it here on my phone so um one in a hundred the risk of death very obviously that's very high tobacco injecting heroin uh, methadone 
that's a, a heroin replacement drug. So basically, tobacco yeah. and heroin are super dangerous. As That's as dangerous as base jumping, Grand Prix racing, climbing in the Himalayas, or bomb disposal work. So you know, seriously risky. If we go down to ketamine, one in a million risk. Very low. So taking ketamine, um, magic mushrooms, or LSD is as much of a risk as doing skating, Sleep. going to fairgrounds, sleeping in a bed, playing with toys, writing with a pen. So I guess every year, presumably, one in one million people dies whilst in a bath or whilst going ice skating or something. So yeah. although lots of newspaper headlines would say, how stupid to dice with death and you know, you're playing Russian roulette if you take something like ketamine. Well, really, though... That's a slightly over, yeah. over exaggerated thing. I mean, you're dicing with death if you inject heroin because you've got a one in a hundred chance of dying. But um, but actually, ketamine is it's it's low risk. It, you know, cannabis is even lower, one in ten million people. Yeah, uh, and the lowest of all are things like caffeine and um, chocolate, che- che- chewing coca leaves, chocolate. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting to think, although. Although clearly some people die every year. Some of the people, like Ellie, died because it mixing drugs or um, they had other things in their system. They you know, maybe they got disorientated and lost and didn't get looked after quick enough. So there are ways to take drugs more safely, I suppose, and knowing a bit more about them and making sure you don't take unnecessary risks is probably the message yeah to come out of that one i'm just going to look on my little list and see what we're doing next week oh yeah so i thought it would make sense i'm going to chat next week uh you'll listen to me talking to the woman who organizes boomtown festival Hmm. which is the one that ellie was at ellie is not the first person to die at boomtown and she's not the last actually they've had a few fatalities at that festival because of uh, drugs but the festival still goes on they haven't had to shut down and they're really proactive and sort of try to keep people safe and since they've had the loop there doing drug testing and doing that all their counseling there's been no more fatalities and much less hospital admissions and things so uh, i'll chat to uh, chat to her all about um, festivals and how they do it next week yeah, um, should I mention Keely? Like, because obviously I remember she was talking about Boomtown. She worked there. Uh, yeah, she no, that's okay. Going, she was yeah. talking about going on thing at Boomtown. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, go on. So what were you going to say about Boomtown? Well, yeah, I remember, like, yeah, Aunt Keely was, like, said police, and she said she was going to Boomtown for a little while to work on the drugs and that. So this is your auntie who works for the police. Yeah, so I, I don't know what she does at festivals, but she goes to quite a few of them, doesn't she? I guess the police have to have a presence there. Maybe she, um, maybe she processes arrests, or maybe she like works on amnesty bins because they they give in. Oh, yeah, I don't know actually. We'll have to talk to her. We might see her tomorrow, so cool. We can find out what she does there. So we did see Auntie Keeley the following day, Easter Saturday, at a family barbecue. The opportunity to talk about the podcast never really cropped up. I forgot all about it, and so did Credence, so we didn't find out precisely from Auntie Keeley what she does on behalf of the police at festivals. I've texted her to ask, and so far she hasn't replied. But if she does, then I'll let you know. 
So you just asked a good question. Uh, ask it again. Wait, which one? Uh, about um, Wendy and whether she, you think she'll listen. Oh, yeah, um, do you think Wendy will listen? Um, no, I don't think so. She I was really happy to talk to me. It's a good question, but I think, uh, and like she said in it, she, she loves talking about Ellie and... Uh, spreading awareness. Yeah, and I think she likes spreading awareness. And she, next week when I talk to Boomtown, um, she goes back to Boomtown and does these talks there and whatever. She has a good relationship with them. And she does some things on behalf of charities. There's a charity called Anyone's Child, where some parents who've lost yeah, kids. Yeah, she talk about that. Yeah, so they, she does sometimes does work with them, I think, but she's not um, like a. A member of of them or anything. I don't think she's completely affiliated with them. So I think, in a way, she probably she doesn't have a big a big Twitter following and things like that. So I think she might just be happy to know it's happened, but probably won't listen. Good question, though. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Please share and rate on your podcast app if you're enjoying the podcast. And more importantly, talk to your kids or the people you know who use drugs or might use drugs. Don't judge them, just talk. Increase knowledge and let's keep each other safe. I will speak to you next week.